The Golf.com podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. Enter promo code GOLFING at FanDuel.com to play a risk-free tournament for up to $10. We're also sponsored by the SeatGeek app, the smartest way to buy and sell tickets for your favorite sports team. Download the SeatGeek app and enter our code GOLFING for $20 off your first purchase. I read one anecdote um, that you described, Jordan Spieth sort of coming up to you um, at some point during that week, and you know, it sort of had that look in his eyes as if he, as if he might not see you again. Uh, can, you, can you describe that moment? He looked at me with this little sad basset hound look in his eye after I told him, and I, I knew um, he was really worried, uh, as was I, and, um, and he was the last guy I talked to, and the first guy I have talked to since uh, in that five months was the first player to come to Maui last week on Wednesday, which was Jordan Spieth. <laughs> and I saw him on Thursday morning, and he just kind of stood there and looked at me and said, my God, you know, you look fabulous. I was really worried about you, and so was I. And I, I just thought, am I the luckiest man on earth, you know, to have gotten the support and thoughts from all these guys? And, and the answer is yes. Greetings and welcome to the first Golf.com podcast of the new year. I'm your host, Alan Bastable, and today I'm happy to welcome to the show Mr. Hawaii himself, Mark Rolfing. Mark is on site this week at the Hyundai Tournament of Champions in his beloved Maui, where he will be pacing the fairways for Golf Channel and NBC Sports. Mark is accustomed to covering the stories, but this week at Kapalua, he himself is one of the best stories because he is returning to broadcasting after a five-month battle with stage four salivary gland cancer. Mark, I know I speak for a lot of people when I say welcome back. Uh, I have to believe that, that your return is, is all the sweeter coming in, uh, in beautiful Maui. Well, thank you, Alan. Um, yeah, I, I'm, it's been an emotional week for me, and I'll be glad to get the tournament started. So I can begin talking about golf shots instead of my cancer, but it really is a miracle. Um, as you mentioned, it was stage four cancer, um, you know, that wasn't diagnosed until July. And uh, uh, the tumor in my cheek came out in August, uh, which we thought was pretty quick, but it came out stage four, which is typically almost a death sentence. And the fact that I'm here is a miracle itself. And, to have 200 of my best friends and the best players in the world and everybody coming to my island for, for uh, you know, the season opening event and my return, it's just, it's beyond belief. It's incredible. Yeah, I, it is incredible. And, and uh, you know, as you mentioned, it, it's obviously been, you're probably not super comfortable having all this attention on you, certainly not used to it. Uh, how, how 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 are you feeling and and you know how's the how's the energy level? I know covering a golf tournament is not uh, uh, the easiest duty in the world. How, how do you think you'll manage this week? Well, I, I'll tell you, Alan. It's interesting. I I am seeing more energy from the players uh, the first week of January than I have seen in my entire 28 year career. Uh, for a couple reasons. One, I think 2015 was such a great year in golf that it sort of carried over and everybody's enthusiastic, but also the stars of the game are also young now, you know, starting with Jordan Spieth and, and uh, those guys that, you know, 22 year olds have a lot more energy than guys my age. And, and it has really sort of permeated 
from the players to everybody else out here. Jordan Spieth has been here a week almost already. Um, he is working hard on his game, played golf every morning, came here to win kind of thing. Even though he won five times last year, he's already started out the same way. And this energy level from everybody has really sort of boosted my energy level. It's, I've kind of gotten wrapped up in, wow, I don't have to really talk so much about my cancer anymore as I'm talking about we got an epic year in golf ahead of us. That's that's what's on my mind right now. Good. Well, and and you you'll be doing all your uh, all your normal duties this week, or you be on on a some kind of a reduced schedule? No, I'm doing all my normal duties, and in fact, I'm going to do the news shows, the Golf Central pregame and postgame, which I never do out here. Brandel is not here, so it's going to be Nota Begay and I uh, on the pregame and postgame. So I'll be doing more news analysis and and maybe a little less live golf, but that'll be the first time I'm doing that. And um, I, I think that'll be good in a lot of ways because, um, you know, I'll be able to, to really focus on what I think the storylines are, you know, in golf itself. And, you know, as, as you know, when you're announcing live golf, you've got X amount of time to do things. And when you're on a news show on a desk, um, you can analyze the best players in the world or the, you know, dissolution of the anchor putter or whatever issues you, you, you want to talk about. So I'm looking forward to that. I've never actually done the news from Kapalua. Yeah, interesting. I, I, and I want to get into that. I obviously want to talk golf, but, you know, for those, and I know you've been talking a lot about, um, you know, your battle with, with uh, cancer over the last five or six months, but for those who aren't familiar with what you've been through, if we could just sort of briefly touch on that. Take, take us back to July and, you know, when you first discovered that lump below your ear, what, what was running through your mind? Well, what was going through my mind on July 1st was that I clearly had a sinus infection um, and I needed to go to a doctor and see what was going on because my throat was sore and I had all the symptoms of a sinus infection, but I also had a little bump on my cheek that I hadn't seen before. And I went to the doctor in New York on the 1st of July and he gave me some antibiotics and said, you've got a sinus infection, take these for five days and, and you should be okay. Um, in the meantime, I got back to Maui uh, a few days later and sure enough, the sinus infection had gone away, but the bump hadn't. And so uh, I was a little concerned about it and went to my doctor here on a on a pretty small island in the middle of the ocean, and he looked at my cheek and said, wow, I've never seen that before on you. This might be a little out of my category. Um, you need to go ahead and that guy. I went and saw that. Um, he was pretty baffled by the whole thing, and the next thing you know, uh, we decided I needed to go see an expert, which ended up being at the University of Chicago, uh, where I grew up and had some contacts and, and got into the University of Chicago Medical Center. And um, by the, the last week in July, I had gone there. Um, they did a biopsy, and um, about an hour after that, they came back and said, you've got a tumor in there that we need to take out right away. And I said, uh, okay, how about a couple of weeks? I'm heading up to Whistling Straits for the PGA. And they said, how about this afternoon? Wow. And um, uh, and I said, wow. And they go, yeah, this this is not good. Um, and so it, it all happened very fast. Yeah. But um, what happened was the sinus infection pushed to the surface this tumor. And that's the only reason we saw it. 
it had uh, it came out stage four, so it had been in there for a couple of years at least. Um, got pushed to the surface, which probably saved my life, and um, we we got it out, and um, and then I went to MD Anderson in Houston for six weeks of radiation, which was very intense to make sure everything was totally cleaned up in the area. And here I am now, and I feel, you know, like a kid again compared to the way I felt two years ago. And I should have known then, you know, what it felt like to have cancer, but you don't, kind of. Sure. Um, And all of a sudden I feel normal again. So I know that we've gotten this thing fixed, which is a miracle. And that that week at uh, at Whistling Straits uh, was pretty remarkable because I know you hadn't let on at that point, um, at least to your your colleagues at NBC, and I think maybe that's the first time they heard about your cancer, as as did many of the players. I I read one anecdote um, that you described of Jordan Spieth sort of coming up to you um, at some point during that week, and you know sort of had that look in his eyes as if as if he might not see you again. Uh, Can you can you describe that moment? Have that that moment, Alan, was on Wednesday afternoon, and I, you know, my NBC bosses and everybody had said, why don't you just stay in Chicago because the surgery was scheduled for August 13th on Thursday, and I said, no, I want to go up to Whistling Straits. I want to work live from the PGA Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I want to see some of my friends and some of the players. So I went up there. Uh, I did tell a few people. Um, a few select people, and I'll never forget it. The last guy I saw on my way out Wednesday afternoon on the way down to Chicago was Jordan Spieth. And um, he, I was walking by him outside the locker room. He goes, hey, Mark, how you doing? Da, da, da. And I said, well, Jordan, I just want to tell you what's going on with me. And he looked at me with this little sad basset hound look in his eye after I told him, and I, I knew um, he was really worried, uh, as was I. And um and he was the last guy I talked to. And the first guy I have talked to since uh, in that five months was the first player to come to Maui last week on Wednesday, which was Jordan Speed. Huh. And I saw him on Thursday morning, and he just kind of stood there and looked at me and said, my God, you know, you look fabulous. I was really worried about you, and so was I. And I, I just thought, am I the luckiest man on earth, you know, to have gotten the support and thoughts from all these guys? And, and the answer is yes. So it's been, it's been just an incredible ride. And I could not have gotten through this without the support of all these people. And that's what makes golf completely different from any other sport or game or endeavor in life. It is really one big family that, that came together and kind of helped me through this. So, how did your fantasy team do this year? Season-long leagues are history for another year, but on FanDuel, you can play for cash all the way up to the Super Bowl. You can also start a listener league to compete with your friends. Now, when you play on FanDuel.com with our code GOLFING, your first tournament is risk-free. That's any contest offered on FanDuel at up to $10. If you win, you keep the money. If you lose, they will refund your account. FanDuel is the best place to play one-week fantasy football. Building a team is easy and fun. Just pick your players and stay under the salary cap. Entry fees are just $1, so there's a league for everyone. You can also play basketball and hockey on FanDuel. That means you can play fantasy sports for cash on almost any night of the week. Think you know fantasy football? Come prove it at FanDuel.com. To get started, go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use the code GOLFING and sign up now. 
Here's the offer. If you enter a league and you don't win, FanDuel will refund your money. That's any contest you want, up to 10 bucks. You can sign up on FanDuel.com using my code GOLFING, then make a deposit and choose your league. If you don't win, you'll get that money right back in your FanDuel account. The only way to get this no-lose offer is to go to FanDuel.com, click the microphone, and use my code GOLFING. FanDuel.com, where it can finally pay to be a fan. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Try it out today. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's a great point because I think, you know, a, a lot of us, you know, you sometimes think of, of golfers at that level as, you know, maybe maybe a little self-centered or selfish or, or living in their own little worlds. But but when you obviously go through something like this and everybody rallies around you, that, that uh, clearly proved not to be the case. Yeah, it's, um, well, I don't know. You know, I go through moments where I'm so happy and I'm jumping around and I can barely see uh straight because my eyes are so wide open and sparkling and then there's times where all of a sudden it really hits me um what has happened to me and i try to talk and no words come out so i'll be glad alan actually to have a golf shot struck on thursday and be able to analyze you know a five iron into the 17th green at kapalua and sort of not have to talk about my cancer anymore it's been great a great road back but I want to get this season going. This is going to be probably the greatest and most epic year in golf of my career, I think. Good. Well, that's that's a perfect segue. So let's let's talk a little bit of golf here. Uh, uh, as mentioned, you're obviously at the Tournament of Champions. Over the last several years, uh, you know, you and and anybody around that tournament has always faced the same question when this event rolls around, and that's you know, where's Tiger? Where's Phil? Where's Bubba? Uh, this year, not so much. You've got probably the best field we've seen there, and at least a decade. I think six of the top ten players in the world are in the field. Uh, why, why the uh, why the sudden turnaround this year? Are they are they giving away golden pineapples out there? <laughs> no, I, I, I I'm I'm kind of attributing it to a couple things. First is a lot of Americans won this tournament's always going to have trouble getting the European players simply because of Abu Dhabi and and um, Dubai up where they get appearance money and piles of world ranking points uh and it makes it hard to play in hawaii and get to the middle east so the euros are going to be difficult but um more importantly the winners um for the most part are young guys and they have a lot of energy and they're not too tired or they don't need an off season that they're they're ready to go and that's why they're all here and they all know that this year is so important and everything that happens is so important that if you sit around in January and February and wait to get started, let's say, when the tour goes to Florida, you're going to be so behind in Ryder Cup points or so behind in FedEx Cup points, you're going to have trouble catching up. Right. And um, it's interesting. I did an interview with Justin Thomas today that's kind of gone viral yeah, and I just running saw that. on the. Yeah, on the Golf Channel. And I asked him if he could win a major championship or play on a winning Ryder Cup team which would it be? And he said, play on a winning Ryder Cup team, hands down, not even close, which was a very surprising answer. But more importantly, showed me he can't afford to get behind in Ryder Cup points early in the season or he's going to have trouble making that team as good as he has been. Yeah, yeah. I was really struck by that answer. I mean, you know, in some ways he he sort of has to answer the question that way, but um, because he'll probably get killed if he says, oh, no, I want to win. I want to win a major first. Uh, but, you know, because the U.S. has struggled so much, do you think in some ways are, you know, are players' priorities getting out of whack a little bit? I mean, 
really shouldn't shouldn't they be i mean shouldn't the, the real answer to that question be i'd love to win a green jacket or u.s open and, and then the Ryder cup would come second i would think the answer should be yes um one of the things that's driving it though is if you take a look at what is going to be the 12-man u.s Ryder cup team i think there are at least 10 of them in this field I, I take a look at Patrick Reed, Bubba Watson, Zach Johnson, Ricky Fowler, uh, Jordan Spieth, Brooks Kepka, uh, Jimmy Walker. You just go on and on and on. I think almost the entire Ryder Cup team is here. Second, the Ryder Cup captain, Davis Love, is in this field. Unbelievably, won a tournament. Right. So because of that, the Ryder Cup is really on everybody's mind. They're not... You know, they're not really talking about the Olympics, and they're not really talking about the FedEx Cup, and they're not even really talking about the Masters right now. They're talking about this week and getting started, and they're talking about Ryder Cup. Hmm, interesting. I just, yeah, just a little part of me feels like it's being overvalued now because we're in such a hole and because it's been so long since we've won. I mean, it is, you know, you could strip down everything, and you got to remember it is just an exhibition. Um, as important as it is, and I know we love to win it, and I know there's a lot of money involved, but uh, you know, it just it, the answer was a little surprising how quickly he, uh, Justin Thomas, answered that question. I think. Yeah, but I came back at him a couple times and said, "Are you sure? Let me get this straight. You just said you would rather be on a winning Ryder Cup team than to win a major championship. Is that correct?" And it was unequivocally yes. Yeah. You know, I gave him a chance to change his mind twice, uh, right. and he right. didn't. So is that overvalued? It probably is. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but that's, that's clearly what he thinks. Somebody has given him that impression. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, you mentioned the Olympics there, too. That's another interesting one. And you, will, you be, will you be down in Rio for that? Uh, yes, I will. Yeah, so because that, that's obviously, you know, players have offered up some sort of mixed opinions there about the prospect of playing the games. Uh, you know, Adam Scott has sort of, you know, from what he said, anyway, he sounds sort of indifferent about it. Jordan Spieth, on the other hand, has said he's going to treat it like a fifth major. How do you expect most players uh, will approach that week? Well, I don't think players can really even begin to focus on it until about two weeks before the Olympics. And the reason I don't think that is because of the way the schedule is crammed together this upcoming summer. You've got the four majors all in a two-month stretch there in the summer prior to even going down to Rio. And I talked to a couple of guys about this yesterday, uh, specifically Graham McDowell, let's say. Uh, and I did talk to Justin Thomas about it. Uh, I, I don't see how they can really start thinking about the Olympics until the PGA Championship and the Open Championship are over in July. Yeah. Uh, so what I think will happen is there'll be a very short window of pre-Olympic hype, uh, almost you know less than a month, but it'll be very intense. After the majors are over, all of a sudden, wow, the Olympics are here. I think it will get a lot of hype. It will get a lot of play at that point, but I don't see a whole lot of that happening before the major season is over. Yeah, and to be fair, a lot of players won't even know if they've if they've qualified, right? Until what, a couple of weeks before? That'd be that'd be it. Yeah, that'd be it. Yeah, but still, it'll be uh, you know fascinated to see how that how that week plays out. It's wild card weekend in the NFL, and these four games are going to be a huge kickoff to the playoffs. Don't just watch on TV. SeatGeek is the best way to find your ticket in Houston, Cincinnati, Minnesota, or Washington. And now, when you download the app and use the code Golfing, you get twenty dollars back. 
Here's how it works. Download the SeatGeek app on your iPhone or Android, then enter the code GOLFING, and when you make your first purchase, SeatGeek sends you $20 via check or PayPal. SeatGeek pulls all the ticket buying and selling options from other ticket sites into one place to save you time. It's like kayak for tickets. SeatGeek also knows the fair market value of every ticket. They use that information to show you the best deals and help you find underpriced seats. If you have tickets you can't use, SeatGeek will help you quickly sell them to another fan. Hate those sneaky fees at the end? SeatGeek has the lowest fees of any ticket site out there and always shows you the full price up front. So, to redeem your promo code and get your $20 back, download the free SeatGeek app today, enter promo code GOLFING in the app. SeatGeek will then send you $20 once you've made your first SeatGeek purchase. For the NFL's wildcard weekend, college football's title game, or the best concerts, use the SeatGeek app and our code GOLFING to get $20 back. The MMQB podcast gets you ready for the wildcard weekend with football writers Robert Klemko, Andy Benoit, and now Robert Mays, formerly of the Grantland NFL podcast. Also check out their Star Wars special with Chris Conley of the Chiefs and a three-city tour of the NFL teams, which put in a bid to move to Los Angeles. The MMQB podcast. Find it on iTunes, Stitcher, or si.com slash podcasts. You haven't, you haven't been down to the, uh, to the site, have you? No, have not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Describe what, what's the uh, what's the buzz like there this week? Uh, I mean, you mentioned there's a lot of energy, as there always is. I guess the the first week or two out um, in the new year, but um, you know, with all the momentum that uh, carrying over from last year, do you feel like there's a there's sort of a renewed energy on tour? Different buzz than I have ever seen, without a doubt. Different buzz. I've never seen so many players here as early as they came, and I've never seen so many players out working on their games. Dustin Johnson, you know, has been on the island for a week. Um, he was out on the course by himself the other day, not even with his brother, who's his caddy. Yeah. Um, it, there's an enthusiasm level and a buzz that is just totally unique. And I was talking with Jordan Spieth about it yesterday. If you think about it, a, a year ago today, Jordan Spieth was not even qualified for this field. I talked to him about it in March at an event that he and I uh, helped host for Ernie Yells for autism on the 9th of March. And on the 9th of March, Jordan Spieth was not in the Kapalua field. And he said to me, can I come and, you know, jump off the cliff at the cliff house and do all that, even if I'm not in the field? And I said, well, of course you can, but you better take care of it quick. Well, he did it that week at Tampa. Um, you know, and then did it four more times after to make sure the field wasn't as big so he had an easier chance to win this year, uh, is what he says now. Yeah. But that's amazing. You know, 10 months ago, he was not even in this field. So there's a, there's a, there's a new energy and uh, a desire like guys, for, guys like him and Jason Day to get off to a good start. Who beyond you – yeah, know, we obviously hear a lot of talk about Day and, and Spieth, uh, McElroy and, and Fowler to a lesser, lesser extent – Beyond those sort of four big up and comers, uh, who, who do you give us give us a sense? Who do you like? Who, who's a, who's a guy we might see break through this year? Uh, Justin Thomas, I know, is a fashionable pick. Anybody else? Anybody else on your radar who who might make some noise this year? Well, uh, you know, Kepka is just an unbelievable combination of power and finesse. I think Brooks Kepka is going to be a star if he isn't already. Um, the guy that nobody 
talks about as much as I think they should is Bubba Watson. And and even this week, very quietly, everybody's talking about Jason Day. Everybody's talking about Jordan Spieth. Everybody's talking about Zach Johnson, Dustin Johnson. Everybody's talking about, you know, all these guys. Uh, and nobody's talking about Bubba. Um, when, in fact, you know, Bubba's another guy that's been here for five days now, I think. He's been out every morning working hard. Um, I, you know, I, I fully expect him to be one of the two or three favorites, you know, Thursday morning when he tees off. Yeah. Um, and quietly, he is just so much better, I think, than he gets credit for. I don't know. I, I could see him cracking that top three uh, this year, and I, I don't really think it is a big three like the old Nicholas Palmer player days. I, you know, there's three of them right now that have separated themselves, McElroy, Spieth, and Day. But by the end of the year, I could see Fowler. I could see Watson. I could see Kepka. I could even see Dustin Thomas cracking that top three. Yeah. Yeah, Bubba's interesting. It's a good point. I mean, I think – uh, I think maybe he just he's one of those guys that sort of goes through stretches where he doesn't play very well, and then he'll have a couple of monster weeks and, you know, pick up another green jacket, and then and then you, you sort of say, oh, wow, I can't believe we forgot about him. But I think you raise a good point there. He is He does fly a little bit under the radar from time to time. Yeah, I don't think people, you know, give him as, as much credit for being as good a putter as he is. He can go through stretches, Alan, where he is – you know, nearly as good a putter as anybody on the tour. He's a very streaky putter. He, you know, he'll make uh, four or five 15-footers in a row and then can't make a putt for nine holes. Um, you know, he will give you the impression early in the week at a lot of tournaments he doesn't like the course, it doesn't fit his eye, yada, 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 whatever he's saying, and then he'll go out and play really well, and he'll totally surprise you. you you'll think that he can't possibly play a course because it wouldn't fit his game, and then and then he wins. Um, but you know, he is just so talented, and particularly in a situation where he has got to hit curves, um, like at Augusta National and like at Kapalua, where he's got to curve the ball into the slopes and he's got to curve the ball into the greens, you know, to help flatten things out. He has just such an unbelievable advantage uh, on players that, you know, if I, if I had to pick a favorite this week right now, right here, I think I would say Bubba Watson. Mm. From Bubba Watson to David Faraday. Is he Faraday's not working this week, is he? No, he's not. We're going to start David slowly um, this year because it's going to be a, a long year for him. Um, you know, it's well, what a great ad for us at NBC and Golf Channel. And, you know, we, we've got a group that's been together for ever and ever. You know, we're not spring chickens. Um, and, and we need to start introducing some new people into the group. And Peter Jacobson came in a couple years ago, as did Nota. Um, but but this one is an incredible ad. And, you know, it's just, certainly Dave is no spring chicken either, but he is going to bring to this group just a whole new energy and perspective that, you know, I've worked enough with David to know if you're not on your toes. Um, he is just so brilliant. Um, even though you wouldn't expect it sometimes, that you you really got to know what you're saying or what you're doing, and I, I think it's going to be a tremendous mix. Um, I, I think David and Johnny are going to be fabulous interacting, and and David and you know and Malty and David and Rolfing or whatever it is, I think it's going to be really cool. I think people are going to love it. 
Has he? Uh, do you have any sort of like freshman hazing period where you break him in? I think we'll have one. I can't sort of. Uh, <laughs> I can't sort of put it out there right now, but yeah, I think there'll be something. Yeah. But are there? Uh, I mean, obviously, it is. It does take. I mean, you touched on this, but it does take a little while for a guy to to get in the flow and figure out. Um, you know, everybody's, uh, you know, habits and, and uh, tendencies on the air. I mean, is there, do you expect a little bit of a, a, uh, a stretch there where David needs to, you know, find his footing? I, I, I think he'll might need to find his feet a little bit because the CBS system is totally different um, than the NBC system in, in a lot of ways. Um, I think the one thing about us that, that makes it very interesting is that Dan Hicks, as a host, I to me, there's just no other anchor in in sports almost like Dan Hicks, who listens and basically hands the ball off to the team. And you know, he's a he's an anchor with no ego, and he's got Johnny there and everything else. But you never have to worry about him saying too much, or or you never have to worry about when can I talk because you don't know when Hicks is going to stop. That's never the case with him. You always know he. He's very quick to set things up and very quick to hand the ball off to his analysts. And because of that, I think it'll be pretty easy for David to fit into this system quickly. Yeah. Uh, my final question: Do you? Do you? How much do you miss uh, covering the U.S. Open? I mean, you had you had that for you must have covered what two two decades worth of know. opens and yeah, that... I, I, I covered twenty of them. Yeah. Um, you know, I really don't miss it at all, and here's why. Um, I was at Chambers Bay for the week, and I was on live from the U.S. Open on right. Golf Channel for four hours a day. So did I cover the U.S. Open? Yes. Did I sit up there and analyze it every day? Yes. I wasn't doing live golf. But I almost had the same experience and opportunity or almost even better. So, um, you know, it's just a miracle. I get to do live from the Masters, live from the U.S. Open, live from the Open Championship, and live from the PGA. Um, I, I'm not missing anything. I, I got a better situation now than I had before. Yeah. yeah. Life sounds pretty good for Mark Rolfing. All right, Alan. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the golf.com podcast. If you have any idea for future guests or any other ideas for the show, you can always reach me on Twitter at at Alan underscore Bastable. Thanks for tuning in. Come back and join us for another podcast next week.